1: Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawira Karatai. Kia ora, Maura. Hey, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Now, we should tell people that it, this is Thursday, not the Monday that people they're, they're listening to this. Um, and today is our 150th episode So this is our our Sesquie episode.
0: Do you remember when I said, oh, we should do 50 and you made a face at me? Then I said, we should do 100 and you made an even better face at me. I never thought we'd get to 150. I'm so impressed.
1: Well, there's still several billion people we haven't talked to yet.
0: That's right. (laughs) But today we are talking to someone I have known for pretty much most of my life. Chris Taken is a software engineer and uh, director of Global Office Limited in Christchurch. We went to school together in a place most people will never have heard of called Payrail. And at one time, his family and my family were the only kids at that school. When you know, if someone else was sick, you know, the odd time there was someone else's family there. But it was a it was an extraordinary place to grow up. And Chris, it was obvious to me right from when we were little kids he was going to do something spectacular with his life and you have and you make change happen just with your software, you know, you, you're you innovative and creative and amazing and none of that surprises me. Welcome Chris.
2: Thanks Mara. Uh, good afternoon to you both. It's, it's, um, we, look, I, it's really, really funny that you got in touch with me the other day because um, I'm actually heading back down to Payroll this weekend and can't wait. It's been a long time since I've visited the place. It was a wonderful um, little community we lived in down there. I remember the days very clearly. And you're right, I've, I've, I've gone on to be very fortunate enough to make a lot of people's lives uh, different, I guess, uh, affect them when they sort of things they use when they go to work. Um, very, very fortunate that I get to um, work with a bunch of very creative people here in the technology space and lots of people all over New Zealand and, and, and the world use some of the stuff that we make, which is really pleasing, really pleasing. So good. Do you
1: get into it on the main road or are you going over the the four-wheel drive track?
2: <laughs> the four-wheel drive track, Sam, we're um, going over from the uh, Dunedin sort of middle march in through Parks Junction and there's a, it's the Dunstan Trail so Goldfields Road, that goes in laterally into, into the Goldfields of Otago and... Mara and I lived in the Peirau Valley, which is kind of, I guess, halfway along that journey. And um, going with a, a couple of um, other gentlemen that grew up in Hyde, not far sort of over the hill from there, a couple of uh, days' walk. Um, it's pretty remote country, actually. If you look at it on the map, Mara, I was looking the other day, it would have to be as about as remote as a community you could find in, in New Zealand, I think, in there.
0: Yeah, I thought it was, it always felt to me like it was as far as you could be from the ocean.
2: Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. I think we're about 40 Ks from the nearest bit of car seal.
0: Yeah, and shop and everything. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, it was really? an amazing place.
2: It was, thank you all.
1: But both of you can now, like, cope with things like traffic lights. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Funnily enough, I, I actually come originally from a, a little place on the west coast called Kamara, um, that's slightly larger than Peiria. <laughs> so... <laughs> I remember when I did first move to Christchurch, it was it was a bit of a a, um, a shock to the system, I guess. The most most notably, my brothers and I spent the first we we moved up here in March, of, I think, 1982, and we spent the first winter in shorts and t-shirts <laughs> because even in Christchurch, because I can tell you down there with the the hard um, it was cold country in the winter. Man, it's really cold. i <laughs> will soft now as so I've got older. <laughs>
1: So how has your bubble life been?
2: Oh, yeah. during lockdown, is that what, lockdown bubble? Um, I, we had a wonderful, wonderful little bubble, actually. Very fortunate that our children, um, we have three and two of them were at home with us, and so um, fortunate that they didn't kind of rely on us, and so I had lots of projects to do, um, my lovely wife uh, decided she was going to learn guitar, um, so I've been playing guitar myself for about, I don't know, 35 odd years, and she's watched me the whole time. She's a true lefty, so we, we grabbed, she works to a uh, special needs school, and we grabbed one of the guitars and strung it up, left hand for it, which means it's like mirror image to what I'm doing. So she's managed to really, really advance really quickly, and I'm very proud of it. She puts effort in a lot of practice. And has We're that... All-
1: have you managed to keep that up once you've gone back to your busy lives?
2: Actually, we have. We have it. She's still practicing every day. It's the the, the whole bubble thing and locking down. It, you know, I think we're like a lot of people. There's a lot of things you kind of thought about, or, or habits you changed, or new habits you put into place that have continued post then. Certainly, certainly business wise as well. It really forced to rethink. I think with a lot of businesses and people had a lot of time to sit there and think about things, didn't they? Including maybe themselves.
1: Anyway. So, what does your business do? Global office?
2: Yeah. So we're essentially with software engineers. It's always been a difficult thing to um, I go to parties and just say I, I, I'm a I'm a builder or something. Um, essentially, we're we're um, the architectural home builders of the software world. So. If companies have a, a specific uh, tricky software project or they have something, they want to connect to something, they would call us. And we we develop um, It's essentially web-based apps and browser-based uh, software-as-a-service-delivered uh, projects.
1: And did that manage to carry on during the lockdowns?
2: Yeah, very fortunate. Businesses like us can um, you know, very quickly head home and and you yeah, we've got a plan in place here, obviously if there's another lockdown we can be home within an hour or so I guess. We were quite productive although we've always had a, a, a real, even though we're probably the easiest business to run remotely, we've had, always had a really um, good focus on working together in our office. Um, there's a lot that comes with that, with that, notwithstanding the, the productivity things of being able to put up your hand if you have a problem Rather than trying to persevere with it, something technical, you know, there's often someone across the room from here. But just the social aspect as well. Um, I also we've had a bit of a rule here for a long time that it's, it's it's it probably comes from my bad experience with with stress when I first started the business. You know, I just used to go 100 miles an hour with everything, thinking I was bulletproof, and you know, everybody can. You know, anyone who tells you they suffer from stress and they can bulletproof, well, they, you know, I found that out. And since then we've had this real, come to work, leave it behind, go home. Most of our team have young children, and so it's pretty really important to me that they leave it behind and go home. So having their, their office at the end of the hallway or their, one of the bedrooms converted, it's always calling out to them. I know that. I hire people like that that, are, that love to do what they do. And so it's a real danger. Personally, I find it, you know, I worry about that stuff. I don't want them working from home. And, and, and you'll... It might sound a little bit unusual.
1: <laughs> so have you managed to bring them back?
2: Yeah, they've all wanted to come back. It's, it's quite... Well, I guess it's not surprising. We try and make it really fun to work here with lots of different things that we do, um, notwithstanding that being a, a fun place to work sense of humour is very important here. Um, we have a nice big pool table and we do things to make it fun and and really um, being as engaging as possible. So, um, yeah, there was high engagement on returning to the office. And even though we do have the flexibility of, hey, if you need to work from home, let us know, it's been minimal um, since we've come back.
1: It's interesting that the the technology is there isn't it you know there's there's digital versions of Kanban boards and Trello boards and all those sorts of things but there sure. still is that benefit of sure. having them on the wall people can see them together and so on
2: yeah absolutely I, I, I technology moves really fast but I've got to say, it's still about people you know it's still about people like most things are right and the, having I know I've been doing this long enough now, I know that having people in the room together together collaborating and communicating, it's a, there's a lot you pick up that you can't through a camera. Um, and, and we just get a better result and our, our customers win from that. Um, so, and, and when they win, we feel good about it. So it's just that, it's just every time. I think it just reaffirmed that approach. We had that approach before the lockdown. And it's just reaffirmed that for me, I guess the whole uh, COVID lockdown bubble, et cetera thing. It's just the way to do it, in my mind anyway, we'll continue it.
1: Let's take the first of your music choices. (laughs) Let's have Stevie Wonder. Yes. Why this one?
2: Well, both of my selections, I have an extremely eclectic, a set of music on my on my iPhone here, um, but I we very rarely play music at home on devices so much as we play on our instruments. And so those two songs I've chosen, Stevie Wonder is wonderful. The, 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 no He creates some fantastic melodies. He's really prolific. I play quite a few of his songs, and they just are beautiful the way they're constructed some of them. Um, and yeah, so that's why I think he's fantastic.
1: So Stevie Wonder, you are the sunshine of my life. Yeah, some of
2: the challenging to play too, by the way.
3: so much love
1: are talking about the opportunity of the of the covid the pandemic they're talking about it in terms of a reset and a rethinking about how we're living our lives are you thinking that you're going to be seeing people wanting different things in terms of the how their businesses are being supported
2: yeah i i do i think the whole covid thing has forced a real it's forced Every business owner to have a good look at their business from all from all angles, I think Sam, and that's obviously the obvious ones are you know, their, their expense structures. But certainly, I think that it's taught most, most business owners and directors, etc., uh, at that level, it's taught them that they need to really ensure that they understand the 101s of their the digital side of their business. So, how are things supported? What are they using? Um, what are they going to be using in the next couple of years? Some of, there's a lot of companies that have their systems have, you know, found the strain of the whole lockdown situation quite difficult. They haven't their businesses haven't been able to operate from home, for instance, effectively. Um, there's been changes in some businesses in terms of a, a massive downswing or upswing and in some industries have had to to uh, adjust to things. And so. I guess yes, absolutely. Businesses of almost all kind, I think, are having a good rethink about that and changing the way they think. Look, I think it's it's given a lot of a lot of um, business owners, especially medium to large businesses, that they may not have a good um, clear sight of how their their, their software, their digital infrastructure, etc., all fits together. It's forced them to actually. Um, Get to grips with that and learn the 101s. It's something I've been kind of talking about for a long time, really. That the business owners need to understand the 101s of the of their, the digital aspects of their business. All business owners know the 101s of accountancy, HR, these things, but they need to understand what a digital digital certificate means on their website. They need to understand what um, what their how their firewall kind of works and and who looks after it. Who supports their software? What happens if something breaks down? What do we turn to? What's the alternative? All of these things need to be considered
1: carefully. Are you seeing a shift in business models? I mean, there's some businesses that are, uh, you know, being massively affected. Things like tourism, for which yeah. it's not just a change in business model; it's a it's a whole scale rethink. But even within other businesses, there must be changes in how people are thinking about their businesses.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, You've got the obvious ones that are saying, "Hey, do we need our office at all? Can we, you know, as as we were talking about before, can we work remotely? And perhaps our our new business looks like maybe working in a a model of, say, home plus some shared working space, that kind of thing." Um, I think obviously it depends, like you say, on the on the industry. Some businesses have had a real upswing in in through the whole COVID situation as well. So. We've been quite busy having a lot of conversations with with companies that have suddenly realized they can't scale up quickly enough. Um, There's there's obviously that. Um, But I think the time, we've still got a long time to go, I think, too. We've just had an election. I think there's been a lot of uncertainty around about people making decisions because of um, not only COVID, but the election as well. And so um, most business owners are having a really good rethink about how they look going forward, not just the digital um, component of their business as well.
1: You're in Christchurch. I don't know if you were there for the earthquakes, but do you think that Christchurch was better positioned for this because of the earthquake experience in, in terms of the resilience the of the question. businesses?
2: Yeah, I do, Sam. I, I, I think that Christchurch has had, you know, was really tested by that. what no, We were here for the earthquakes, and... We lost the, you know, the premises where our offices were and our house um, was destroyed and all that sort of thing. So, and lots of people had really horrible stories from that so it did, it did, it did bring a, an element of resilience I think. And certainly in the business community especially being able to up and work from home, um, there's a lot of businesses couldn't access their premises during that period but hey, it was 10 years ago so um, some of those lessons I would say have been somewhat forgotten. But certainly from a mental health point of view, I think that um, as, as I talk, you know, personally talk to other people around the country, I think that served Canterbury very well.
1: I think that one of the good outcomes of the Canterbury earthquakes was the that focus on the the, the mental health, the, the purple posters behind me came from the, I've forgotten what it was called, but Canterbury Resilience Mental Health Group, yeah, and I think that that's something yeah. which we can all benefit from.
2: The mental health side of things. One thing that I think Canterbury really learned through the earthquakes was the value of hey, you know, going next door and, and see, you know, that, that sense of community that we managed to get from it. And it was a little bit harder, I guess, this time around because we couldn't kind of go next door and knock on people's doors. But you know, one thing I noticed when we're out walking or exercising in our neighbourhood, once we're allowed to sort of get out and walk around and and, um, up and down the hills there, everyone was saying hello. You know, everyone was acknowledging each other and there's a real same sort of sense of community that we felt, you know, 10 odd years ago. Um, It's quite wonderful, actually.
1: It's a remarkable thing to tell us that we can't get together as a community for us to realise how important that is to us.
2: Yeah, that's that's ironic, isn't it? It's ironic, but, yeah... It's, um, it, it, yeah, it's, there's certainly some positives that come out of it. a bit of an optimist, and there's so many good things that have come out of this.
4: Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dinan's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie.
5: Kia ora koutou, namahi arohanoui, kia koutou, koutouahou. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together, is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are. A triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. So beautiful people as we know we've been through this very interesting time together this year. And I was part of a wonderful school play last night, Hindsight 2020, where we went back through the year of 2020 and we thought about solutions going forward. There was time travel and we went to 2040 and it was just amazing. I had the great honour of playing myself in the play, which was wonderful. And today I'm driving to my beautiful friend's top flight in Oamaru and picking up 144 lovely cake feeders and 144 energy cakes for our beautiful native birds, particularly Talbot the silver eye but then of course once the energy cake has been eaten lovely fresh fruit can be put inside for our tui and bellbird as well so they really are amazing and of course this has got me thinking about supply and demand and stocking up and objects and our relationship with all of these things as a species and as a species we know that we love to have, and possess, and hold, and treasure, and embrace, and cherish. And it's so wonderful when we can channel this energy, this this want, this desire, into modes of being that serve the real world, the living world, the natural world. As we know, as a species, this desire, this inclination, this instinct towards acquisition can have unfortunate consequences for the real world, the living world, the natural world. But as much as we can, if we can make all of our modes of being in service to the real world, I feel we are fulfilling our purpose. So, as I drive up to Uwamaru, it is a very beautiful day. There's amazing patterns in the clouds in the sky. I love looking at these patterns and thinking of all of the other life forms that are gazing at the same sky now surrounding me that I'm related to in an infinite web that we're all related to. But also, of course, all the lives that have come before gazing up into these patterns in the sky. And as a species, we love patterns and our brain is very inclined towards pattern-seeking and pattern-recognition. And of course, in this time in my own life, I'm gazing upon my own patterns, my own patterns of behaviour, and thinking about how I want to change them for the future so that I can really get the most out of my time here. And this process is very fascinating and illuminating, of course, for all of us when we start to take a bit of a step back and do the work of caring for and understanding ourselves. And in this way, of course, we gain great, great insight into how the best of our intentions sometimes are misunderstood or are miscommunicated, and. Something that I love about my work at Oroku is that it has helped me realize that we're all doing our best and often we can't understand the consequences of our actions. But in my opinion, when they're motivated with the best of intentions, when they're motivated with that vision of a glorious and happy future in mind, that is the best way to do and be and see and feel. So I really hope for you, whatever time travel you're doing, whatever patterns you're looking at and understanding, whatever journeys are taking place in your life, whatever you're working towards reframing, whatever you're moving towards cherishing, treasuring, I hope that you feel all that love and support that you're giving coming back to you And I hope you recognise that you are making a great contribution with the best of intentions. And I look forward to
1: talking to you tomorrow.
5: Thanks so much. Thank you.
1: Do you think computing is living up to its potential, its promise of delivering us a better world?
2: I think that computing is living up to its promise of delivering a better world. I kind of have to say that because a lot of the the tools we make for businesses to use they reflect um, you know real advances in productivity for them and and in so many ways so we're really at the forefront of that. I think though if I think of some examples outside of these walls, the ability for people to connect via video during lockdown for a start is a, is a great example. But you know just a couple of days ago, um, a lovely lady that we live in a little private cul-de-sac and. We're very lucky because we have quite a few elderly retired people that that there is our security blanket, and they know who comes and goes every day. And a lovely neighbour who's 93 rang me up a day or two back and said, "Chris, can you come and help me with my iPad? Um, I can't find my email anymore. She had a, a small filter problem. One of her great grandkids had pushed, um, but here she is picking up her iPad and, and video phoning people. She's 93. It's that, I mean." That's wonderful that she can connect like that. When we first moved into the house we are now several years ago, the tools available to her, she wasn't able to understand them and use them. So I I really think computing and technology is delivering the world that we want and expect and will continue to do so in so many ways.
1: We've seen lots of changes in society over the last however many months it is now, what do you think is going to stick? And what do you hope will stick?
2: I think the things I hope will stick will be the sense of community we talked about earlier uh, through, the, through the pandemic and obviously through the earthquakes, the, the uh, checking on your neighbour and make sure everyone's okay. I think that I hope um, the, the way from a business perspective, that businesses continue to look and educate themselves on what's going on with their, with their own strategic digital direction. Um, we're still, in, you know, technology is still, the people we talk to generally, I would say technology is still um, maturing. Most people we talk to have been involved in failed software projects before because the technology has not been quite there, etc. I think we're getting to the point now where Businesses starting to realise that every software, every every business is a software business, and so I hope that continues. That, that we have continued focus on that um, from the the C level upwards, the the, the boards, the, the, these these types of individuals and people that are driving organisations continuing to learn about what um, cyber attack means, how important digital security is. Uh, um, how they empower their employees through providing them with good technological tools the right tools to use you know there's relegation of that and, and I hope that continues that's my big wish out of it.
1: You said that your role in the business is largely doing the talking and yeah. and and that's lots about taking really complex ideas and communicating them in ways that people can understand have you been taking lessons from the government with the, the messaging around COVID?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it, there's many facets questions there. Um, but I think um, you're right. I do all the talking. I think the messaging from the government was, was was pretty clear through through the whole the the whole um, crisis and, and continues to be quite clear. Um, I try my best to, to be quite clear. One thing I I am big on, and I'm I'm known as Mr. Analogy around here, I always try to um, put an analogy that people can understand. So for instance, I would talk about building a software application from from the ground up as being like a building that we need to ensure, you know, there's a lot of bang and talking needs to happen before something rises out of the ground. Um, If we build a foundation that is strong enough, we can build more stories on the building without it teetering and falling over. But we don't have to build it. We don't want to. We can build, you know, build a little bit um, cost effectively. So, analogies are my thing. I like to, um, you know, make it relatable to people because, as I said before, we, we often have people in the room sitting here talking about their projects. that have been bitten by a failed software project before, especially if they're anything close to my age, on fifty. Um, they've probably encountered a disaster in, you know, the past ten years. So they're quite. It's difficult trust factor to get to get over the line sometimes with with some projects that project that we do, balance sheet ones, not profit and loss size ones, if that makes sense. So um, it really is about people still and gaining their trust and ensuring that they feel comfortable and um, moving forward. So that that is my role, there, right?
1: I'm a big fan of the metaphors. I've, one of the most useful exercises that I did with software engineering students is when they're working on the project to go through that process of working out what's the best metaphor.
2: Yeah, there you
1: go. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not it's not necessarily about what is the best metaphor, but the process of getting there.
2: Right. Yeah, I like it. I might borrow that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So so what's your metaphor for the better world we're trying to create?
2: Oh jeepers. How how do we get there? Um I would like to see, you know what? I'd, you know what I'd really like to see. Um, I'm not sure I can find a metaphor for it, but I'd like to see um, less polarization. Um, I think there's been a uh, there's been a lot of American social media and media hitting our shores that uh, are um, are are um, how, how do I put this having a great impact detrimentally, to the way I think about it anyway, to the way the social fabric of New Zealand has been previously sort of made up. Hopefully it makes sense, I'll give an example, you know, mm-hmm. I um, my brother, you've talked to him, he lives in a part of the world where I think they tried to um the governor the other day because, you know, someone didn't agree with what she might stand for, um, over here I have a good friend of mine who is is senior of my years, and I go and have a beer with that guy once every few weeks. And he's a a, a, a political party member um, of not my political persuasion, and we have a great debate every time we go. And we share a beer, we laugh, and you know what? um, One of our teams won on Saturday night, and the other one just has to, you know, fair, fair play to you and um, shake hands at the end of the game and we get on with it. You know, that, that stuff happens and it's wonderful that we do that. Um, but I, the world is a lot more polarised outside of these shores and I, I hope we never end up like some other countries. But I fear we're slipping that way. It's a bit dark, isn't it?
1: I wonder if we will start to see more tools for... For, for for making critical thinking easier in terms of yes. in terms of social media and and how we interact with computing.
2: And I wonder if we will I, I wonder if we'll end up having to break up the large companies that you know the antitrust suits that seem to be starting to come now. I think the world's starting to realize the power that these these large machines have, right? and it's difficult to see. And I can't really see a way around other than breaking them up into smaller bits um, as a way of combating it. We can't cut them off, um, but there's just too much power. And look, no one knows more than than you, Sam. Or you know, yeah. You know, certainly, we understand here with some of the things that happen under the under the hood of those machines and what they what they do in the, and the power that they wield to influence, it's, it's, it erodes democracy hugely and polarises people hugely. Um, it's,
0: the, it's the manipulation that I find um, really frustrating when people, uh, whether it's that they um, have never been taught basic critical thinking, they don't know how to research things for themselves, it sounds yeah. plausible or it's come from someone who they trust and they believe it without giving thought to is this real or not, and it it really concerns me. Um, There's a little um, uh, satire piece going around social media at the moment of Donald Trump condemning uh, Jacinda for doing such a good job of of managing COVID just to win the election, And, and, (laughs) and it's obviously satire to us. Yeah. But to a lot of people they are like, oh damn him, he's so bad and, and yeah. you know, I can't disagree with him but, but the reason for, for that is not sound and it's just um, it, I find that really it's how do we how do we fix that in our community? Yeah.
2: It's, it's difficult, isn't it And the thing is that you know, at the start of the conversation we discussed the, the fact that you know maybe some of the things we put in the hands of our children arose their ability to use their imagination. That just flows on, you then start putting, you know, more, I guess, more grown up social media messages to them are already not interested in using, you know, that skill, that imagination skill they can actually think a little bit for themselves and so, you know, where does that lead us? We've got a real problem with it and um, Jeepers, under the hood of some of these things, it just astounds me the lengths that they will, some of these systems will go to to track you and learn about your behaviour. I'm sure you've seen the videos and movies, and none of it would surprise you, but it really is um in the far pits and the forest.
0: There's um, one line I took from the latest um, movie about social media, uh, which was, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product.
2: Yeah, of course. And yeah. I went,
0: oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. it's. Um, so yeah, if, if I if I wanted anything to come out of the COVID scenario, everyone's spent a lot more time probably screen time during it, and you know sitting there watching their screens and and, and being and those of those of us who, who probably understand what's been put in front of put in front of us, it's probably time for a lot of us to get together and act and go, hey, we don't want to let our kids get more
1: of this it's going to become more sophisticated and more alluring and more manipulative it has yeah, been not sure what we do with it. it has been interesting with the developments around covid itself things like the covid tracer app that it at least it has got to the media discussions about privacy and you know people yeah. actively talking about internet of things and bluetooth and so on in a way that I don't think we've really heard before, other than as a there's this weird miracle magic thing going on over there. So at, at least yeah. that is getting into the public.
2: It is, and people are thinking about that. Like businesses, we spoke about foursense are thinking about, you know, thinking about where their software sits and their digital strategies, etc. Individuals are, you know, likely thinking more so now about their digital security because they have been, you know, confronted with this. How do we track everybody with 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 COVID and and what mechanisms should we use and and uh, whereas in the past they'd happily sign up to whatever social media and install the app and follow them around everywhere I mean with no thought um, so I think it's a good thing it's a it's a really good thing um, and it needs, it needs to happen a lot faster and we need to really push that along people really need to consider what's happening with their data. Like, but I <laughs> It's. I'll give you a weird story. The other day, I went to buy. I went to buy a little piece for my barbecue, and I, the, the person decided that they wanted to order it, and they didn't have it in, in the shop. And so they wanted all all of my details, all of them. Not. I said, "Well, how, how about I pay for it now, and you text me? give me my text. You wanted what my address. They wanted everything, but when I politely declined. Oh, well, but we have to the system says we have to. But the person said to me, "But well, everyone gives us their address." I said, you, know, "You don't need my address. I'll come back to the store and pick up a piece of metal." You know. Anyway, this conversation, as you can imagine, went downhill, and it was we polite and went our separate ways. Um, people in the past just happily would give it. You know, give it out and.
1: So you went you went home and you. they said, how did your trip go? And you said, well, we had a really good discussion about privacy and we're having fish and chips for tea.
2: And it was kind of actually, I have to have confess this, it was actually Christmas time, right? When I said the other day, my wife has me on, she says, that was ages ago, but actually the other day it means it's irrelevant how long ago it was. It was Christmas time, right? Sam? It was a week before Christmas. Christmas was an place and we're having a barbecue and it was the grill on my barbecue which had broken when I tried to brush the old one. That's the truth. So, of course, I walked out, stood inside the door of the shop, realized what I'd done, and that there was no way I was going to be able to have a barbecue for Christmas. But luckily, the brother in between the one you have met and this one, he runs a little engineering shop for himself. And I was able to go and visit him and call him a family favor. And um, Christmas was saved by Nick's um, Nick's (laughs) workshop. So, um, yeah, I was pretty lucky there.
1: Okay, so before we finish, I want to squeeze in the second of your music choices, the second totally random music choice that you've given us. Do you want to tell us what you would like? Yes. Uh, it is um
2: Hosea Devoted to You off the Grease double album, I believe. From, look, I think I purchased, it was the first album I ever bought. I absolutely loved Grease. I think I was about eight or nine. Um, we were living in paria Valley Mara at the time. I saved up my 50 cents a week pocket money for bringing in the wood and feeding the dogs and um, moving the sheep or whatever we were doing. And um, it was eight dollars fifty. But the reason I, I love it, not only do I remember it from from way back then, but playing it on it's a beautiful song to play on guitar. It's got a lovely chord structure. It kind of it kind of um, changes the it changes a few times within it. And if you listen to different versions of it played on YouTube, there's some just absolutely wonderful um, wonderful versions of it. And so that's 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 kind of my life at the moment: picking songs from my past, learning how to play them on on my guitar. I, I, I'm a hopeless singer. Um, my wife kind of makes up for that a little bit, so that's quite good. But um, I like just playing the melodies and it um, really helps me sort of connect. It's great. Guess mom, it's not- was one especially Maru, because you know we lived in a part of the country where the sky was just so big and and there was zero light pollution so I mean south of Tekapo right and and I mean we'd see the aurora down there at night it was just incredible awesome. so watching Star Wars and then driving home looking upwards going oh my goodness is that real? I mean I think I was nine so <laughs> everything was real. <laughs> it was so-
0: an extraordinary time.
2: It was. Was.
1: I have some questions to end the show with and not very long to do them so we'll have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years?
2: Business, business, business success or personal success.
1: Anything you like.
2: Uh, look, I would say definitely uh, navigating COVID successfully and having a team that was Really on board and engaged and just seeing the way they came through that, uh, not just the way they performed their work, but mentally, calmly, um, getting on with the job. For me, I, I, I was just so proud of them. And, and so for me, I mean, we, yeah, we, yeah, that was a big win for me. Big win.
1: So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes it's our team of people doing good work so you are in our team what's the superpower that's got you into our mansion
2: that's awesome thanks so much
1: guys so what's your superpower
2: my superpower is remaining calm Um, definitely my superpower Um, calm yeah that's, that's, that's in my DNA I share that I share that with my brothers, um, and that is my superpower. I think people people would say that about me. I think the work around me, and yeah, and I think also inspiring others to be calm and to just not get too get too excited or too angry, and to stop and think.
1: Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning?
2: Oh, jeez, That is a really interesting question. I've never actually asked myself that. I'm um, I'm pretty self-motivated. I am i am pretty self motivated i am an early morning rise riser. We you know ten thirty is a new midnight for us. Um, we like to we like to get up. So I I think what motivates me is what motivates me is I'm actually really lazy on the inside and so I've got this incredible drive to try and achieve the stuff that will help me be more lazy does that make sense
1: yes (laughs) one day (laughs) so what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so
2: Um, the next year or so we've got a um, a product we've built here that that is um, aimed at a particular industry and over the next year my plan is to drive that to become an internationally recognized SaaS product um, in the industry that suits and i've got a really good team of people here really to help me with that um, we're, we're quite excited i think the timing up for it
1: and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners stay
2: calm If your team didn't win on Saturday night, like push the reset. And um, you know, if um, if you might be in a position that your, you know, your your job might be a little bit uncertain, but hey, at the end of the day, we live in the best country in the world, bar none. And there are always people up the road to go and have a chat to and talk to, you know, lean on your community. And don't freak out, you know. Stay calm, take a deep breath. That's what I would say.
1: Thank you very much for that. Mawera.
0: Thank you for a life of kindness. (laughs) That has been the thing I've observed in you for all of these years is a profound depth of kindness. And it, I think, underpins everything that you do. And keep up the good work and don't change.
2: Thanks so much. It was lovely to see you again. And I'll be be back in touch soon.
0: eh? I look forward to that.
1: Let's go out to Stevie Wonder. Superstition telling us to wash our hands. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles Positive Conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Muera Karatai in Fakatani, and in Christchurch, Chris Taken. We hope you enjoyed the show.